Welcome to the first episode of the Offseason Podcast brought to you by nobody because this is the first episode. So if you'd like to sponsor this show, hit me up in the DMs. What's going on, man? Not much, man. How you doing? I'm good. Glad to be your first guest. On man, you. I'm glad to be here. Glad, you know, didn't think that be a you know more suitable you know first guest than you but uh everybody please welcome in my first guest uk legend first overall draft pick in the 1999 nfl draft by the cleveland browns beloved quarterback from hyden kentucky tim couch golf clap <laughs> golf clap <laughs> <laughs> oh man last time i saw you we were uh we were, we were, we're pond, them in. pond fishing yeah man. well we reeled them in for the first couple casts and then it yeah, was a little bit then of a it, struggle but it kind of it kind of settled down yeah you know, it was a fun day though you know what i mean we got to, it was hot it man. was hot but it was yeah really hot yeah but uh i taught you how to throw a bait caster that was the that was, yeah, probably, was, that, was uh, that was probably like my, the highlight that was my, absolutely my awful trip. when i first uh first went out there <laughs> i threw i think i threw it behind me the first time <laughs> hey man it's all good yeah Oh man! So what you been up to? You say you've been playing a lot of golf. Play a lot of golf. Yeah, a lot of golf, man. Raising kids. Uh, my uh, my youngest is playing travel baseball right now, so we got that going on. Yep. And then my oldest uh, is playing. He's a freshman over at uh, Lexington Christian Academy. Yep. So He's playing football. They got their first game Friday night, man. So who they got Friday? Uh, they play Louisville. Uh, is it DeSale? Louisville. Those DeSales. DeSales? Yeah. Yep. So they they play up in Louisville, and uh, he's playing. He's your position, man. He's playing linebacker. As, is and, he really? Yeah, linebacker oh, man, and tight end, to... man. We'll have to get some off-season drills going. Oh, that'd be great. At the end, yeah, of, at the end of the year. He's a big kid. He's, uh, he's 15 years old, but he's already 6'4". Wears a 14 shoe. Wow. Yeah, he's a big boy. He's a big boy. Uh, I, think the, uh, I think the tight end route's going to be uh, I think call, so. calling his name. Yes, definitely. So he's got the bill for it. Oh, man, uh, since the last time I saw you, you know, you said you've been working out. Yeah. Uh, playing golf. You're looking good. You know, oh, this, the, it was the it was the, the picture that we put up uh, after we got done filming our episode, and everybody was like, God, who's 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 the real linebacker here? Who played linebacker? Who played quarterback? I was like, damn man, I gotta get my st- I gotta step my stuff up. I gotta get back in the gym. So <laughs> no, that's you why look great, I, that's that's really honest to God. Like, really one of the big reasons why I've been getting back after. I was like, damn, I do kind of look small. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've had a lot of free time to you know just pump weights, man. When I when I got done playing, you know, I was only like thirty mm-hmm. when I was done. Um, so I just you know, and I was I was always into fitness and. You know, being you know, staying in shape and stuff. It's just a different style of training now. Oh, um, you know, because when I was playing, I didn't want to be big and bulky. You know, for trying to throw the ball, um, oh, no. so I didn't want to be stiff and stuff. So now I just, I just work out to, just for size and you know, to be lean and that kind of stuff. And and I feel better. You know, when I don't work out, I I, I definitely notice a difference. So, um, so I'm just I've been on it, man, for you know probably the last. 10, 12 years, like pretty hard, pretty consistent. And, um, you know, so I got I got a gym in my house, so it's nice and convenient. Just walk downstairs go. and get it in, man. Didn't have to worry about the uh, the quarantine life of not being able to go to the right. gym. Right, yeah. What, was, what would you say would be the biggest uh, transition from working out as an athlete to just working out, you know, just every day to day? Yeah, I think as you get older, you know, it changes for sure. Um, you know, when you're working out as an athlete, you're training for something very specific. You mm-hmm. know, your body, you 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 need to be ready to take on offensive linemen. You know, meet running backs in the hole, that kind of thing. As you get older, you just don't you don't need that, man. You no. don't need to go squat four hundred pounds or deadlift this or that. I mean, you just you're just trying to you know walk around and, and look good, be healthy, feel good, make your body feel good. So um, I noticed, um, you know, just started training differently as far as like. Um, you know, not, wasn't training for anything specific. You know, I was play, when I was training to be a quarterback, it was a lot of core work, a lot of rotational stuff, a lot of jump rope, uh, you know, for my footwork. 
uh, stuff like that. Now it's just, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, go in the gym, build muscle, you know, uh, in, you know, make my diet the right way to, you know, kind of support that, um, you know, getting a lot of protein in, you know, trying to, you know, stay well hydrated, all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, you ju- it just changes as you get older. I train a lot differently now that I'm 43 years old as I did when I was 35. Right. You know, your body just feels different, man. So you just, you just listen to your body and adjust to it. You know, some days you wake up and you go to the gym and your body's like, nah, we ain't doing that today. Bro. <laughs> <I hear> you. <laughs> you know, you get under a squat rack and you're like, no, nah, it's not gonna happen. So yeah. you just, you just listen to your body and adjust to it. What do you think about when you see, like, uh, I remember seeing Deshaun Watson when he was in college. What do you think about seeing quarterbacks now like power cleaning 315? You know, three thirty things like that. Was that was that ever a thing that you know you guys implement when you were even in college or in, in the pros or anything no, like that? I, I think That's it's different lifting? now. You know, these guys are they're training differently. You know, like Cam Newton. Cam Newton's a, I've met him a couple of times. He's a big man. I mean, Cam's probably Superman. Yeah, I mean, I'm six five, two forty, and he made me look small when I stood next to him. I oh. mean, he's he's probably six six, two fifty ish. I mean, big dude. Um, so these, these quarterbacks are different breeds now, man. They're they're training differently. Um, you know, back when I was playing, they didn't even hardly let us, you know, bench press or do any like cleans, anything where we're putting our shoulders in those, you know, those positions where you could, you know, tear a rotator cuff or do right. something like that. So we were just, we were just really training, um, you know, just, you know, just to throw the ball. You know, we weren't training to, for size or strength or anything like that. We were just trying to, you know, train to, you know, help, you know, stay in recovery mode and, you know, trying to get the core strong and, you know, right. just trying to, you know, build a base, you know, a good strong base in your legs so you could, you know, drive the ball a little bit. So, um, you know, just just a different style, different method now. Yeah, that's the thing. When I think back on, you know, training as an athlete growing up, even, you know, throughout high school and especially when I got into college, um, the big thing that I remember always my strength coaches talking about was bar speed. Mm-hmm. And just throwing – it's not about how much you can lift. It's about how fast you can get it up. Yeah. And now, you know, that I'm out of it, I – I concentrate more of slow and focused reps, you know, <laughs> and, and I actually bit. get the more, I actually just feel Absolutely. more out of it, you know, yep. other than just dropping the bar like a rubber band that would right. or something like that and trying to lock it back out. But yeah, yeah, definitely. It seems like every year that strength and conditioning has made players bigger, faster, stronger somehow each and every single year and literally down to a science of mm-hmm. how to get guys, uh, you know, to be top tier athletes, you know, not only in college football, but at the professional level as well, uh, which means that, you know, how much time and effort actually goes into that, you know, with these offseason workout programs. So I'm actually kind of anxious to see, you know, with college football starting up this week and the NFL coming back this week, uh, with COVID-19 and everything coming through, uh, causing, you know, people to shut down work, people to shut down leagues. We're just getting started back with football. You know, it seems like, you know, football was the last thing that kind of was here. Right. And then COVID kind of hit like around February or March. Yeah. And now football's kind of back. So, um, didn't get to see a whole lot of basketball in between. But, you know, we got the bubble and things like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, when I see football come back this season, especially for college athletes, I'm wondering if this, the time that it takes, you know, to build an elite college athlete with these off-season workout programs, uh, not only will I, am I anticipating to see uh, overall performance, but I'm also interesting to see what the injury rate's going to yep. be. Because I know one thing that, you know, that Coach Ed and Coach Ed always talked about with us is that, yeah, we're here to make you bigger, faster, and stronger. But, you know, the things that we do in here also is his help to help prevent injury that you go out there on the exactly. field, be able to cut on a dime yep. and have strong legs, strong cores, and everything else to do it. So, I mean, we were doing ankle work, yeah, uh, you know, and everything like that in between just to give us an edge. And so – I'm anxious to see with kids having to uh, work out on their own, 
you know, I have coaches uh, send them workouts through email or just try to find a work a place to work out in general uh, when everything was shut down. Um, you know, it was only, I think, about a month and a half, two months for Kentucky maybe mm-hmm. on the gyms. But I can only imagine, um, you know, having a college program that gets shut down in March, not able to have spring ball, right. barely even able to have summer workouts, and then you're right back into camp. Because that's such yeah. a vital period, you know, to almost rebuild your body from the season before. Absolutely. I think I think that's those are all great points, man. You know, as athletes, um, we're so structured in our routine. You know, oh, we're, yeah. we're you know when this when this part of the year is over, we go right into this. We go right into that, and it's all laid out for you. You know, with the strength coaches, and they're you go in there and they got your program laid out for you, and you just go knock it out. And now, like you said, that they're doing this stuff on their own. Um, how many guys are disciplined enough to wake up and actually do that stuff and go do it when the coach is not standing over top of them making them do it? Uh, so, so then you absolutely worry about the injury rate or guys going to come in and, you know, are they going to be in shape to play football? I mean, you know, it's, it's a quick turnaround from that time when the time they said, okay, everybody's welcome back now on campus to we're getting ready to kick this thing off. It, it's a very short period of time for these guys, a lot shorter than they're used to having. Right. Um, so we'll see how their bodies hold up, man. I, I hope that, uh, you know, guys were disciplined enough to, to do the training and, you know, by themselves and, and uh, you know, and get it in, and get it in when they can. But uh, it, it'll be interesting to see, man. It's it's unprecedented times what we've got going on right now with this COVID stuff. So I, I can't imagine trying to be an athlete, you know, this this year and having an off season like that, trying to get ready for a season. Um, so it's uh, it, it's certainly challenging on those guys. But uh, you know what? I, everybody had to do it. So it's all right, you yeah. know, level playing field with everyone. So um, you know, we'll see how it goes. Man, I'll tell you what. The probably the one of my favorite uh, days. In strength conditioning with Coach Ed and Coach Hill while my time at UK was the first day of summer workouts when we would come back from uh, going home in May. Yeah. So I would go home probably – I went home my freshman, uh, freshman, sophomore, and junior year from May. Just I like going home, re-hit the free fresh button and yep. fish and everything. I could do that. But I was – the number one thing on my mind, you know, was staying in shape and hitting the weight room, mm-hmm. you know, with the, with the program that Coach Ed and Coach Hill sent me with. And, you know, I was one of those guys that, that – you know that they never really had to worry about coming in exactly. out of shape or anything like that. So I was actually, I actually always looked forward to it because I know that there are some guys that just rely on their athletic <laughs> ability alone, and I can't, and, and I, I wasn't able to do that. Yeah. Uh, so I always, you know, had to uh, try to get an edge in the, in the weight room or on my speed training and things like that. And um, you know, I'm not typically, I'm not a fast guy, but when we would come back out in. Uh, in the first day of workouts, you could tell who's been working out in May and who hasn't. And oh, so, yeah. like, I would be beating dudes on, uh, like, wide receivers on sprints and things like that. I'm like, hey, I'm not supposed to be able to do this, man. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, man, Tim, uh, for people that are listening out, Tim's from actually the same neck of the woods that I'm from. We're both prideful and proud to be from Eastern Kentucky. Tim comes from us from Leslie County, Leslie County High School legend. Uh, in high school, man, you won basically everything. You won Mr. Football. You won Gatorade Player of the Year. You were yeah, – yeah. I think ESPN said they ranked you as the sixth best high school athlete. Right. Not just football player, but overall athlete of your high school graduating year. Uh, you went to the University of Kentucky. You know, you start out there. You're UK Hall of Famer, class inductee of 2005. And me and you were talking last time. Um, we were talking about your transition from – being a college quarterback, you know, with the systems that you came in. I mean, you were running the wishbone when you first came in to, <laughs> you know, and then you went to the air raid, uh, which allowed you to actually just be yourself as a player. Yeah. And got you to ultimately being the number one overall pick. 
uh, allowing you to go out and just absolutely pick defenses apart, slinging it left and right. You had so many, so many guys around you to use that for. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about how you were a. You said you, you really learned how to play quarterback in two or three years, and having to go start and be a franchise quarterback for an NFL team. Right. Obviously, that was the year when the Browns first came back. Uh, when Art Modell moved into the Baltimore Ravens, my family still will never get over that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and so you were really the first quarterback of the new Browns, mm-hmm. in, a, in a sense. What kind – like, I could not imagine the stress, the anxiety that could be put on you, yeah. and the pressure and the expectations that an organization like that – you know, you're you know, 19, 20, 21-year-old kid, mm-hmm. you know, just fresh out of college. You just learned how to play quarterback, really. And I understand, okay – now we're about to pay you millions and millions of dollars, and you're going to be the leading, and you're going to be the franchise player, you know, of this of this organization. So, yeah, walk me through, you know, draft night and how you, you know, obviously, you know, it's a very exciting night for you. But was there ever like a sense of, like, damn, you know, I'm I'm the man now. Like this is all, this is on me. Yeah, it gets pretty real. Um, you know, it's just kind of a whirlwind from the time I announced. Uh, you know, I came out. Uh, uh, I went to the draft after my junior year at UK, and by the time I announced it until you know draft day, it just all went by so fast. You know, with all the workouts and stuff. Then um, you know, then you get drafted, and uh, they whip you up to Cleveland, and next thing you know, you're the face of the franchise, and it gets real, really quick, man. So I certainly felt those expectations from you know the fans and the media, even my own teammates. You know, you come in as the number one pick, they're like, hey, man, you you got to do big things for us like you did in college. You got you turn Kentucky's program around. Uh, now we're, you know, a franchise, you know, uh, expansion team. You got to turn this franchise around now. You know, you got to get us going in the right direction. So you feel those uh, expectations as, as, as a player. Um, you know, I certainly felt them. And it's, it's a lot to throw at a young guy, you know, coming out of college a year early. And I only really played two years of college, man. I didn't, I played in like three games my freshman year. Uh, so you know, I was just a quick, you know, sophomore, junior year and out. And, you know, then you go right into the NFL. And uh, the plan was for me to sit that whole first year. And then that went out the window after the first game. Coach came to me in the locker room. Uh, we played uh, Pittsburgh in the first game uh, there in 99, and we got blown out like 43 to nothing. He comes to me in the locker room after the game. He goes, we play the Titans next week on the road. You ready to start? I'm like, hell yeah, let's go, man. So <laughs> that, that plan went out the window. So I was a starter from week two on. Um, so it, uh, it, it's uh, it's just a lot for you know a young player. I think you know as a quarterback especially – um, it all depends on the situation you're thrown into. If you, if you go to a veteran team that has a ton of support around, a great running game, a great offensive line, the perfect system for you, you can absolutely come in and have success. You know, kind of like Ben Roethlisberger did when he came in as a rookie. Went into a great veteran team in Pittsburgh, had, had a big rookie year. Um, but, you know, if, if you're a rookie and you come into an expansion team or, you know, a team that's really down, it can be a long, you know, few years of rebuilding for, for a young guy. And, uh, you know, it takes a toll on you mentally more than it does physically, I think, because you, you just kind of, you know, get a little gun shy from taking all the hits. You kind of lose your confidence. So it can uh, it, it can be a grind, man, mentally mentally and physically. So kind of the same situation, but not really. He was drafted to be, you know, the starter there. But, you know, it kind of reminds me now, you know, of, of seeing Joe Burrow mm-hmm. going in, you know, as a first-year starter. Yep. Uh, really only playing two years of college ball, uh, sat at Ohio State, transferred to LSU. Coach O gave him a shot, went down and started out and, and balled out. And, uh, you know, during the whole pandemic thing and they were talking about with college football not being canceled and things like that, and Coach O was saying, listen, you know, if this was happened last year, you know, Joe Burrows, you know, nobody knows about him. Right. You know, and he needed that extra year uh, to come out and show what he had to do. You know, obviously he goes nuts. 
wins the, wins a national championship. You know, he's a national icon. And now he was the first over his Heisman winner, first overall draft pick. Uh, and I actually saw today where he was named the captain. Yeah. When you see something like that, does it ever remind you to say like, damn, you know, I, I remember walking in those shoes like that. And what kind of, if what kind of advice would you give somebody like Joe Burrow, you know, being yeah. being like that and being in that spotlight and and being asked of those high demands that he's being asked of? You know, the best advice I could give him is to is to stay patient and not expect too much too soon and kind of realize that it's going to be an up and down road for him, especially the first year. Um, you know, Cincinnati's obviously rebuilding right now. That's why they had the first pick in the draft. You know, they you know they they were awful last year, so it's going to be a it's going to be a long road for him. Um, you know, he's not going to have the success that he had at LSU, he's not going to go out and throw 60 touchdowns, you know, next year or whatever he threw last year at LSU. But um, I think you just try to build on it each week. You know, you go out and you find a way to have a little success and then you, you learn from that, even the mistakes. You learn from the mistakes and you try to build on it each week and trying to, you know, playing quarterback in the NFL is all about being consistent. And if you can't be consistent, then you're not going to be in there very long. You right. know, you have to be the same guy each and every week. Uh, you have to stay healthy. You can be out on the field. But, um, you know, I think Joe is one of those guys that – um, you know, I, I don't know him that well. I just know, you know, watching him and from a distance that he seems like a guy that can handle those expectations. His personality is a guy that can, you know, manage that. You know, I think he's very down to earth. He's very humble. Um, you know, he's, he's not a guy that uh, is going to get overwhelmed by the publicity, the hype, um, you know, the expectations. I think, I think he's a very level-headed guy and he'll, he'll do just fine. Um, but you know, it, it's all about as a quarterback. It's all about what's around you, man. Especially at that level, you know, the, the higher up you go at college, it's, it's certainly that way. But in the NFL, it's even more so about what's around you. You know, if you're going to have success or not. You know, if you if you don't have you know an offensive line, a running game, and wide receivers um, and playmakers around you, you're only going to have a limited amount of success for a short period of time. Right. So it's, it's all about what they do around around Joe and build it around him and. Um, you know, so it's, uh, I think they'll do it the right way. They seem like they've got a good plan for him and, uh, you know, I wish him nothing but the best. Yeah, man. And you mentioned one thing, an offensive line, and that's, you know, one thing that, you know, growing up watching you play that I wish, uh, I wish you had, I wish you had some good protection, man. No, no disrespect to anybody of your former teammates yeah. or anything like that. I remember I'd be sitting there watching some games and I look at my dad, I'd be like, man, is he okay? You yeah, because it was man, you, you you took a lot of hits. So speaking of those hits and things like that, uh, you know, walk me through, you know, injury wise, you know, mm -hmm. what what'd you go through uh significant 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 yeah. injuries, I should say. Um yeah. quite a bit, man. It was uh you know, obviously a lot of bumps and bruises and stuff, but the main injuries were I had two major shoulder surgeries. And that's really why I had to retire. But uh I had the first surgery was um was pretty bad. It was they re repaired my whole shoulder, I had Torn labrum, torn rotator cuff, and a torn bicep. So the Dr. Andrews down in Birmingham fixed that shoulder and uh, got healthy from that. And then I ended up tearing my rotator cuff again. Uh, so the second surgery, I was never really the same after that. And then um, had a broken leg, um, had a broken ankle, uh, multiple concussions, uh, had a broken thumb, had four screws put in my thumb on my throwing hand. Um, just uh, uh uh, knee injury. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a torn ACL. It was just a you know pretty bad sprain. Uh, just just stuff like that, man. Just a bunch of bumps and bruises. But you know more so just the the toll of taking the hits each and every week that oh. add up on your body, man. You just start feeling like like golly. By the time you know the games 
Uh, you wake up on Monday morning, you roll out of bed, you're like, oh my God, man, I can barely walk. I feel like somebody beat me across the back with baseball bats or something. And then, you know, by Tuesday, Wednesday, you start to feel a little better. And then Thursday, Friday rolls around, you're like, okay, I can do this again. And you do it all over again and keep repeating that for 16 weeks in the NFL, man. It's, it's a long, long season. And, you know, they don't protect, they didn't protect the quarterbacks back then the way they do now. Definitely not. You know, they teed off on us. You know, no. now these quarterbacks, you, as you know, yeah. you can't hit these guys hardly. You would have definitely had a longer career if they would have had the, uh, oh, if for they sure. had the rule. Well, that's why people are like, how's Tom Brady? And, you know, because Brady came in the league the year after me, uh, or Drew Brees, how are these guys still playing? Well, hell, they don't get hit. You know, it's, it's basically seven on seven for them. No, you know, no, they, no. I mean, if you touch them anywhere, it's a 15 yard penalty and you get a fine or something. You know, I mean, like, it's they, they just really protect those guys and it's just it's a different game now you know even your wide receivers you can't tee off on them you know back then back in the day you know you hung a guy high across the middle they were taking his head off or you'd see it, somebody come on across a slant route or as a oh, linebacker, yeah, linebacker I mean, we were oh, we were chomping man. at the bit you know Absolutely. to see something like that and now you know when we were when i was in with coach house my junior year and, and really that was really the first year i really learned how to play linebacker you know at that at that level yeah and, you know, and we were talking about with how receivers cross and how we how we have to go down and just bump them now, how we can't just go down and just eliminate them from the play. Yeah. You almost have to – it's almost like you have to let them catch the ball first and then kind of wrestle them to the ground. You know, back in the day, you know, you could just come in and Get try somebody. and take their heads off. Exactly. Uh, so it's just a different game now. But, and, you know, for good reasons, you know, it's a safer game now. And it, the game had to get safer with all these concussions and all that kind of stuff. So it's, uh, it's a safer game, which is obviously going to be better in the long run. But it was uh, – you know, a different world back then. Oh, absolutely. And speaking of, you know, being in a different world, was there ever a thing, ever things guys would do uh, special just to be able to play on Sundays? You know, because I, I know the, the weekly grind of, you know, let's say you're playing uh, the Steelers, you know, in Pittsburgh, and you go up there and you get the shit kicked out of you, yep. you know, and, and you're beat up, you're banged and bruised, and then, you know, that following Sunday, you know, you know you've got, you got another divisional game, you know, with the Ravens, and you oh. got to worry about Ray Lewis, you got to worry about Ed Reed, and, you know, and those guys. So, yeah. um I know back in those days, and I know painkillers, you know, were a big, big thing. Mm -hmm. Was there ever, you know, guys that, you know, that you would see that they would just be having to do that stuff just to be able to make it? Oh, for sure. You know, like you said, the painkillers were, you know, they passed those out like candy back in the day. You know, it was just uh, it was just what they did. The, the trainer would come around and, you oh, you got a, your ankles hurting, you know, pulled a hammy, your shoulders hurting. Here, take this, take that. And, you know, we'd take it and we'd go out and play. Um, but, you know, I've seen guys, you know, just live on, you know, the massage tables and getting uh, acupuncture. Um, just, you know, just you think there's no way these guys like you see them on Monday or Tuesday. You're like, oh, he's gonna, he's not he's going to be down this week. There's no way he's playing. And then Sunday rolls around. They run out there. And the magic of cortisone. Yeah. Brother. Cortisone shots. You know, <laughs> we used to do those like crazy back in the day. Um, yeah. Just uh, it was, you know, really, it was whatever you had to do to get your ass on the field. That's what you did. I mean, and it, there was no, and if you didn't do it, you were kind of like, oh, you're not, you're not a team player. You don't want to be out on the field. Like you, you did it, or you were kind of looking. That or they're going to find somebody else to replace. They find somebody else, somebody else to do it because it's, yeah. you know, it's a, you know, it's, it's just a cutthroat business, man. You know, so just talking like how you, how we are right now, just doing anything to play. You know, that's when I was growing up and how I was taught to play football was that if you can walk, you can play. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, you know, I played, yeah. I played with some injuries. You know, I probably shouldn't have. Um, but you know, just we're talking sitting here talking about you know what they would do with painkillers things. I remember when I had my back injury my junior year. So uh, I had a had a great camp. You know, we're rolling in, we're getting ready to play uh, play our first game, and I'm sitting there, I'm actually stretching, and I feel a pop, you know, in my back, 
and I've always, you know, had a really bad lower back problem just because, you know, in high school I didn't, going back to training, you know, I was always, you know, just trying to just improve myself to be the biggest, fastest, strongest mm -hmm. kid, you know, out there, knowing that if I was, you know, I'd have a pretty damn good chance, you know, of getting seen, you know, and, and getting out and making, you know, making something for myself. And uh, so I was always trying to see how much I could squat, you know, and oh, things yeah. like that. So that led to, you know, little back problems at an early age. But I remember when, you know, like I would have to go to class and I would have this like butt pad almost that I'd have to sit on and like lean against. And I'd be sitting in class like this. Everybody, like, dude, what the hell's wrong with you? I'd be like, dude, I can't fucking walk. <laughs> and uh, if you look back on it, it was actually one, it was one of the plays against Florida when we beat them at the Swamp. Like, I had a wide-ass open shot on Felipe Franks, dude. And you see me coming in there, and I look like a 65-year-old man running back there because, like, my back is just grinding. <laughs> oh, and my, yeah, le man. my right leg's stiff. Yeah. But they, but I remember I used to take uh, I used to take a 500-milligram Tramadol before the game mm -hmm. and then a 500-milligram Tramadol after the, or at halftime. Uh-huh. And – I remember getting I remember getting home, dude, and when that stuff would wear off. Oh my god. You oh come down god. so hard off that. Dude, I would be in a fetal position. Yep. Sitting there in my back and my joints and everything else just aching, aching and aching. And then, you know, from Sunday you're in there in the training room getting ice and stem, ice bath, literally anything and everything you can do just yep. to be able to make the walkthrough practice on Monday. <laughs> Yes, and uh, yep. so I could only imagine, you know, what the what the regimen would be, you know, for for you, but especially back in them days with, you know, how, you know, everything literally now is how as we move forward. Obviously, we get better with technology, and we get better with, uh, you know, systems and things like that. Um, seeing that how you guys, oh, fuck, I've lost my lost my space here. Good thing we can, yeah, we go can. back and yeah. edit this. All right. So you were, you got drafted and you got drafted in 1999. Uh, you were in Cleveland until 2003. Uh, then you went to you went to Green Bay. Went to Green Bay. Yeah. Um, and you also you played in a year in Canada, didn't you? No. Uh, didn't. No, I went to Jacksonville. Um, Green Bay is where I had my first uh, shoulder surgery, and then um, got healthy from that, and then tore it again, mm -hmm. and then I ended up in Jacksonville for okay. training camp. But uh, that was just not the same. So thing. you were only there until like 05, 06? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. What was like, you know, you're you've known football your whole life. Mm -hmm. That's the no, that's the number one thing you 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 eat, breathe, sleep football, and that's what you revolve your life around. That's what you've set your schedule around. Yep. You know, that's what you're known for, uh, and everything in between. What was that transition like? Uh, you know, after football, when you know when you hung up the pads and you're just you're just Tim Couch now. Hardest thing I've ever done, like literally. Um, you know, like you said, it's just who I was. And then I'm 30 years old, and you're going to say you can't play anymore? I'm like, man, I, don't, I, don't, I really didn't know what to do. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know anything about myself other than I play football. And that's, a, and that's a tough transition, man. I know a lot of guys, when they're done playing, they really struggle with, well, what the hell am I going to do now? You know, and you I mean, as a football player, as an athlete, you know, you almost you get in that mindset, man, where you just kind of see yourself as invincible, like it's never going to end. You know, you just right. like, I'll play this game forever. And then you, you realize you're not going to play anymore and it's just over. And you, you got to figure out, you know, kind of who you are. You kind of reinvent yourself, you know. And um, and for me, that was really tough. I went through probably the first couple years um, when I was done playing. I was living down in Fort Lauderdale. You know, had had an unbelievable life, man. I made, you know, enough money to last a lifetime. And, you know, had, uh, you know, just yeah, was having my first kid. 
um, you know, life couldn't have been any better on the outside and I couldn't have been more miserable and depressed. Like just like couldn't believe where I was. Like, I, I mean, I thought I was going to play 15, 20 years in the NFL, win four or five Super Bowls, you know, and, and all of a sudden none of that happened. And, and it's just done. And it's just, and you just fall into this funk where you, it's just hard to get out of it. And, you know, when my, when my first kid was born, that really helped a lot because then I had a purpose in life. I was dad now, yeah. you know, and that kind of, that kind of refocused me on just being dad. Um, and then it just kind of, you know, each year got a little better, but the first couple of years was just, man, I don't even think I let, I didn't, I'd hardly leave the house. Didn't want to go anywhere. Cause every time I went somewhere, you know, it was the same questions over and over. Why aren't you playing? Yeah. Where are you going to go? What are you going to yeah. do now? Where are you going? Where what are you, are you going? doing? Yeah, yeah. Why aren't you playing anymore? Like, you know, you should be back out there. You look like you can play, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm like, and you just get tired of answering the questions. So I just sit, Bro, sit in the telling, house, man. You're you telling know? me. Yeah. I mean, obviously, and I, I never had any, not, obviously, I never got to go past college or anything like that. But, you know, around here and, and being from Kentucky, you know, oh, yeah. and uh, with UK being, I th- yeah, I think people look at, at Kentucky athletics, you know, almost as our pro team in Kentucky. Because, For sure. you know, our closest yeah. teams, you know, are the Bengals and the Reds. And, you know, with, with how much pride, you know, and everybody has, you know, to be a Kentucky fan and things like that, you know, especially with now with social media and everything like that. First off, I couldn't imagine, you know, what kind of scrutiny you would have went through if they would have had social media and them stuff back in them days. Because, dude, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't there one game when you got hurt and they and they cheered? Yeah, which is crazy because it was a year that I took them to the playoffs. That was, so I got knocked out. We played the Ravens on Sunday night football, and I got knocked out cold. They snapped the ball over my head uh, in the end zone, and I ran back to get it, and I was trying to pick it up where I could get outside the pocket and throw it away. And as I picked the ball up and I turned around, they hit me in the side of the head, and I was just out. Don't remember going to the game. Don't remember being there. Nothing. Um, but, yeah, apparently, you know, when I was laying there, like, totally unconscious, like, the fans start – because I was having – we were having a bad game. Hell, the Ravens were freaking unbelievable. Um, we were struggling. And so the fans started cheering. And they put microphones in front of me after the game, and I just dog-cussed the fans. I, mean, I was about I, to say, man, like, uh, you're – I mean, you're out there giving everything you've got. Yeah. Every – I mean, game in, game out. Those those people have no idea what you're going through mentally, oh, what you're having to do, what your body is doing physically, how you're even having to cope with that. Right. So it's like, who who the hell are you to, exactly. sit, to sit there and do do oh, something like that? You know, especially at home, you're getting you know, and I've I'd already been there for four years. You know, the starting quarterback, and they're going to cheer when I when I get when I get hurt. And then you know, it obviously worked out. I mean, I got up and you know played the next week and. You know, we end up making the playoffs. It's the only time the Browns have been in the playoffs in the last twenty damn years. Um, so, um, you know, it, it was it was. I was furious to be quite honest with you. I couldn't believe like me being there. You know, being right on the ground floor of the expansion team, and you know, going through all that with them the first year and getting. I got sacked the NFL record like sixty three times my rookie year. I mean, they were beating the hell out of me, and I got up every time and walked back to the huddle and, and picked myself up. And then they're going to cheer when I get knocked out. And I was. I mean, knocked out cold, out cold, out cold. Yeah, like, I, I, I just couldn't believe it. I was actually stunned. Um, but you know, that's that's the way it is. It, you know, in the NFL, fans can be that way. Um, you know, you're making a lot of money, and they don't feel like you're playing up to the expectations they have for you. They, you know, they're going to boo your ass. They're going to talk about you on the radio stations and and on TV. And it's just uh, it's just that's just part of the job. But I just thought that was a low blow. I mean, 
even if we were playing on the road, if a quarterback or any player gets knocked out, no, you don't cheer no. for anybody getting hurt. No. You know that's that, that was just especially your own starting quarterback. I mean, I just thought that was uh, uh, that's, pretty crazy. That, just even sit there and try to think about that and wrap my mind around you know somebody's thought process of trying to do that is yeah. It's like what the hell are you thinking? I know. <laughs> I know. But man, just but you know the struggles of being a Browns fan. I mean. You can't put it into words, no. almost. No. Um, you know, my family has been Browns fans, like I've told you before, you know, ever since I was born. You know, my granddad is a big Browns fan. My uncles, my cousins, you know, we always went and go to Cleveland games. You know, we watched you play. We watched everybody play. Um, and it's actually funny, you know, we just call uh, – if it's the no energy stadium is what is what uh, is what my uncle Roger calls it. So yeah, it's actually pretty funny. But um, you know, and looking back at it now, um, there's obviously you know the famous jersey, mm-hmm. you know of uh, the quarterbacks that came after you. I think it's what 25. I think it's I think Baker 20, was like 25, 25 yeah. or 26, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And uh, I know some guys that came after you. You know, Doug Peterson. Oh, and Doug, he, yeah, yeah. Doug and I. Doug was my uh, backup there for a couple years. Didn't he yeah. back up far for a couple years? Yeah, yeah. He backed up far, and then he came to Cleveland, um, and then he went back to Green Bay. I played with Doug in Cleveland and in Green Bay, actually. Okay. Yeah. And then now he's a Super Bowl head, yeah. head coach. Yeah. Yeah. Had uh, Jeff Garcia come in there. Trent Dilfer, Charlie Fry, yeah. Eric Anderson. You know, drafted Brady Quinn. Brady Quinn. Yeah. Drafted Colt McCoy. And you had Jake DeLone come in there, mm-hmm. Brandon Whedon, Brian Hoyer. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, how, how can we get Johnny Manziel? You got uh, Kaiser, Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah, Deshaun Kaiser, Kaiser RG3. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, with the new staff that came in, you know, we brought in Tyrod Taylor and Baker Mayfield. And one of the big questions that I've always had, you know, as a, as a Browns fan is, is that it seems like the Browns can never get something set in stone and roll with it. It's, it's almost like we're we're trading, we're we're man. getting rid of head coaches after one year. We're, we're making hires that don't oh, make sense. We're making thank you. That's we're making what always said. we're making draft picks that don't make sense. We're trading away stuff that doesn't make sense. Is it just an? Is it just the inconsistency of the organization that you think that? That, they, that, ha- that can't take the Browns to where they need to be? I think that's exactly what it is. There's just so much turnover in that organization from general manager to head coach to quarterback year in and year out. You're never going to build anything like that. You're, you're going to have down years in the NFL. Like, you know, look at look at the teams within the division that are like Pittsburgh, Baltimore. They've had the same head coach and the same damn quarterback. Well, until, you know, they had, you know, Flacco and uh, in Baltimore, but the same head coach. Um, for years and years and years, and they've had ups and downs. They don't fire the coach every time they have a bad no. year. They stick with him, and they build the program, and they stick with their quarterback, and they just build it around them. Man, the Browns, if, if it's it's one bad year and the coach is gone, I mean, I don't know how many coaches they've had for one season up there, but I know it's a lot. Uh, Baker's going on his fourth head coach in three years. Um, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. insane. You that's know, nuts. I mean, how, how do you expect anybody to have success? I had uh, I had two head coaches in my five years there. I had uh, what three offensive coordinators? It's just, I mean, I mean, I understand. I understand the business aspect of things. You know, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, when things aren't going right, obviously you got to change something to bring something in. But you don't have to clean house every single year no, because you're not going to establish. You know, uh, you know, you're not going to establish a ground base. You're not going to establish. You know, anything. I agree, and it, they do it year in and year out. So hopefully, hopefully they've uh, you know they stick with this new coach. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be good. And, and you know Baker, 
uh, you know, he's shown his rookie year what he can what he can do. You know, with with some talent around him, they've just really they've really put a lot of talent around him with uh, with with Chubb in the backfield, man. Well, Nick he's, Chubb. he's got talent all around, him. all around. Jarvis, him. Jarvis, o- OBJ. They got the big tight end from uh, the Falcons. Uh, is it Hooper? Yeah, um, and they just drafted Jed. You know, out of here. Yeah, I got Big Jed at, uh, at left tackle. Um, they're building it the right way. They just got to stay with it, man. They just can't give up on it this time. Do you think that you know after Baker's rookie year, you know, he's he's a high winner comes in with all this hype around him obviously he's kind of you know he's kind of out there kind of brash you know yeah. don't care what you think about me you know hate me all you want type attitude and you know he's always seen success and then you know he came in his rookie year and he did some things you know that were astronomical you know for a guy that you know that came in year one and winning some games and um do you think that you know the stuff that came after that year in the offseason like you know the commercials the endorsements the hype the everything you know if you think that really kind of got to him in an aspect to where he it almost seems like at time he had more commercials than he had completions. At yeah, times. he did. And you know, I think I think if you know Baker, um, what drives Baker in his whole career is being the underdog and people telling him he can't do it. He walked on at Texas Tech. Nobody even offered him a scholarship. Then he transfers. He walks on at Oklahoma, wins a starting job, wins the Heisman Trophy. He's always been told you're too small, you can't play. Um, you know, we don't want to give you a scholarship. He's always been that underdog role. And then, like you said, he comes in his rookie year. He breaks the all-time NFL touchdown record for a rookie, broke Peyton Manning's record. And then he's on every damn commercial that you see. And then he came out last year, and he just didn't play well. I mean, certainly the team around him let him down a little bit. But he just didn't play well at all. And I think I think this year, from what I've seen, we're getting the old Baker Bay. He plays better pissed off. Yeah, like you said, he, he's a he's a me against the world type guy. I'm going to show you, talk trash about me. I think he feeds off that. And last year, uh, you know, after his rookie year, everybody was telling him how great he was, and I think he he didn't respond well to that because he's never been told that. He's always been told you're too damn small, you you can't play, um, and that's what drives him. And he just got to get back in that mindset of being a you know just a I can't you know you know basically, basically like he is you know walk out there I don't give a damn what you think about me, love me or hate me, I'm going to be who I am and. He gets back to that, then I think you'll start seeing the results on the field too. It kind of seems just just from watching um, how they played, body language and things like that. It kind of seemed like Freddie Kitchens didn't really have a hold a hold on that team at all. Yeah, you know, when I was up there. I do their preseason games, um, and I love Freddie. Freddie was a great dude, man. But yeah, it just uh, it just seemed like the 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 discipline wasn't there on that team. You know, Freddie was almost too much of a player's coach. He was almost like their buddy. Yeah. You know, and you you know, hey coach, you gotta have a little you know, you gotta be able to put a little fear in those guys. Yeah. And I think, you know, not that they didn't respect Freddie, I think they just he was just almost just too nice to them all yeah. all the time. And you know, and they kinda got they ran they got a little loose with it and you know, the discipline was bad. I think they let they led the NFL in penalties last year. Uh if they didn't it was way up there. Um, you know, and they and they just made a lot of mistakes, man. They turned the ball over, they beat themselves almost every game. Even games where they, they absolutely should have won, they outplayed the other team, they'd find a way to lose it. You know, they'd do something stupid at the end. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's uh, – They even had an attempted murder on, uh, you know, Miles Garrett there at the end. <laughs> yeah. You know, trying to, yeah, seriously. Trying to yeah. take a dude's head off. Man, I mean, I've never was, seen that, any shit like that. That was, that was the craziest shit I've ever seen. Especially on the last play of the game. I mean, I've lost my right. shit before. I mean, everybody knows, you know, I'm infamous, you know, for yeah. tw- grabbing, you know, an ankle or whatnot. But that's, That stuff happens, but I've never seen anybody take, take a, a helmet, helmet off and yeah. try to swing yeah. and, Hit somebody, he hit him on top head. of the head. Hit him on the head. On the head with his own helmet. Yeah. How, think how degrading that is. Oh. <laughs> to be and, to sit there and get hit with your own helmet. And dude, I don't know if you've ever seen Miles Garrett in person. 
He is a massive. I wouldn't want to get hit in the, massive, helmet, in the head with a helmet by him, dude. I'm telling. you. I wouldn't want to get hit, hit in general. Oh, dude, he's a he's a freak, man. I'm telling you. So, what do you think that coming up with this year? You know, with the talented guys, you know, the, that we've mentioned across the board, Chubb, OBJ, Jarvis. What do you think that those guys have to hone in on? You know, with Odell and Jarvis being some of the two explo- most two explosive wide receivers in the league. Mm-hmm. What do they have to do? You know. To get first off to get to get open and get Baker to them the ball and obviously to transition that and get in the end zone of scoring points. Yeah, I think it's um, you know learning a new system. Uh, you know that's that's going to be a little bit of a challenge. You know you got you're, you're bringing some new guys into a new system, so it's going to be a little bit of adjustment and limited practice time. You know, like we talked about earlier with all this COVID stuff. Yeah. You, know, you want uh, you know they miss some time in the off season, um, so. Uh, you know, it'll be it'll be uh, maybe a little bit of a struggle, you know, out of the blocks until they kind of get on the same page. But those guys are veteran players, and um, you know, just you know, like you said, such you know, explosive playmakers, and we you know, they just got to find a way to get those guys the ball. And you know, OBJ is one of those guys that you got to get him the ball early and often because if you don't, he starts getting you know, mentally he kind of checks out. Yeah. He's not catching balls early in the game. I mean, if I were them, I'd come out and just throw that dude screens. I'd give it to him on reverses. I'd throw him slants. I'd throw him – just get the ball in his hands. And then next thing you know, the big plays start coming because he gets so – he's so explosive when he's into the game. But, you know, he checks out. He gets frustrated really quick too when he's not playing well. Um, you know, Jarvis is really consistent. You know, Jarvis has led the NFL in uh, receptions, I think, three out of the last four years. Um, you know, so he's uh, he's a consistent dude. Uh, so Baker's got the pieces around him, man. They just they just got to find a way to get on the same page. It just seemed like last year, Baker and OBJ, their first year together, they just couldn't get on the same page. Right. Like when when OBJ would get open, Baker would overthrow it, or when you know, Baker would finally make a good throw, uh, Beckham would drop the ball or something. You know, it just they just couldn't get on the same page. Their timing was off a little bit. So hopefully, having a year experience and you know will help them make the transition and coming into a new offense and you know everything in year two. Right. So when talking about, you know, vets and, and guys that have been within the system for a long time, you know, especially in quarterbacks, when you're talking about a team that, you know, in a situation like this, Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's been the man in Green Bay, you know, ever since, you know, he was handed the keys from Favre, um, been the man in it year in, year out, one of the top quarterbacks, if not the top quarterback in the league, and they take a quarterback in the first round in the draft. First off, what kind of message do you think that sends to Aaron Rodgers and how important is it for him in this camp to almost – is it a mentor or does it – I mean, obviously you want to be a great teammate. Yeah. And you want to see guys succeed. But is it a, is it a situation where it was like with him and Favre? I think it's exactly what it is. I think he feels exactly how Brett felt when they drafted Aaron Rodgers. You know, and he's like, well, there's my replacement. You know it's coming. Um, you know, and I, but I, for, if I'm Aaron, I'm I couldn't be more pissed off because he's right now he's got it, he's got a small window left to win another Super Bowl, and they're going to go out and pick a damn quarterback in the first round. <laughs> like, hey man, how about get me some weapons? Because you know they really don't other than Devontae Adams, who who's he have to throw the ball to in Green Bay? Nobody. I couldn't name another receiver they have. Um, so uh, you know they need to go out and get him some weapons, and you know he played at a high level last year. I mean he was he played great. Um, but you know they just need to get him some more weapons, and I know he's frustrated with uh, with taking a quarterback first. And I, I don't think he's going to take on that mentor role, you know, right now. I think he's still in the prime, or he still, you know, thinks he's got a, you know several good years left, and he's he's not going out. His, I don't think right. he thinks it's his job to go out and get this guy ready to play. You know, it's uh, he, he's going out and trying to win games and uh, try to get another Super Bowl to kind of 
you know, solidify himself as a, you know, he's obviously going to be a Hall of Famer. But, you know, I think, you know, you just, you know, having one Super Bowl win versus two Super Bowl wins puts you in that upper echelon. You know, there's right. a lot of guys that have won one. You know, not many have won two. Hardly anybody has won three. And, you know, up, you know, go above that, you're just talking about Brady and Montana, really. Right. That's, that's about it. And Bradshaw. Um, you know, so you get, you know, the more you win, the, you know, the more elite company you get into and he's trying to get to that and, you know, they're not doing it the right way to, to help him get no, to that point. No, because it is my say, you know, it's like, it's still my team. You know, oh, this for is sure. my team. I've done it for you. I've taken you to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I've taken you to the playoffs. I've set records. I've done this. I've done that. It's still my team. Absolutely. So, you know, mm-hmm. can only imagine. So, you know, we got, we got college football coming up on, uh, this Saturday. I think we got maybe a Thursday game. I'm not sure. Um, UK opens up not this weekend but the next weekend. We think about the cats, man. We think we think's going on with everybody returning. Um, you know, we got a lot of key returning stars on defense and on offense. We got Terry coming back. Uh, you know, Coach Stoops has surrounded you know them guys with great additions to his coaching staff in the off season. Um, first off, how important you know because you, you've been here, you've you've seen Kentucky when you were here, you've seen them you know when Coach Brooks was here, when Joker was here. How important has Coach Stoops been to this University of Kentucky football program? Well, I think he's done. I think he's done more than, than anybody could ever imagine. And um, you know, he's. I. I. I, I would have bet my. I would have bet anything that we would never be at the point where we're at today. I've watched Kentucky football my whole life growing up. I played for Kentucky. I never thought we would have a program like we have right now. And that's credit to Coach Stoops and 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 Vince and 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 all those guys that have that have built it the right way. But and and you know I'm talking about the way we recruit, the type of athletes we're able to recruit now. Right. You know, and it all started with with you and your your class. You know, you guys getting getting you to stay in state was huge. Um, you know, and, and that's led to other guys in state. You know, to stay in the play because they saw you know what you accomplished here. Um, and it just it, that's the way it goes. But um, you know, the fact that we can line up and just whip people. Up front, I never thought I'd see the day where we would have an offensive line like we have right now, where we can just run the ball down people's throats and just, you know, and our defensive line. Like, you know, for Kentucky, you know, I always thought we had to be a little bit, I don't want to say gimmicky is not the right word, but I thought we had to be a little bit different than other teams. Like when we were running the air raid, that's why we were able to beat Alabama and LSU and, you know, Louisville, all the teams we beat, we did because, you know, Alabama was certainly more talented than us, but we were just like, they were just in shock of our offense. They'd never seen it before. You know, right. we come out and throw it sixty times a game, and they just weren't ready for that. There's no way we could have lined up like you guys did against Florida, and run it down their throat and beat them in Gainesville. We couldn't have done that. You, know, we didn't have the personnel to do it. So, um, you know, what Stoops has been able to accomplish the the recruiting, the building the program, the developing players like you know, getting a guy like Josh Allen, nobody had ever heard of. You know, he's a 210 pound dude coming in as a freshman. He leaves as the fifth or what, fifth or sixth pick in the draft or whatever he yep. was. Um, you know, just, just to develop guys like that, develop guys like Benny, um, you know, he, he's just done an unbelievable job and I, I don't think he, I don't think he could have done, he, he can do any more than, than what he's been able to accomplish. I mean, win eight games last year with a wide receiver playing quarterback and throwing the ball two or three times a game and st- you guys still won eight. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's unbelievable, it, man. It, it, and it you was, won 10 the year before. Yeah, it was some <laughs> wild stuff, man. Man, that's just, awesome. Thinking about that, but yeah, yeah, dude, the offensive line, man, Going up against those dudes every day in practice, you know, it felt like a game. And I think ultimately, 
having that type of talent and having that type of practice where we would get in there for – I mean, it was in season, but, you know, obviously in camp, you know, you got good versus good. And then we would get into season and, uh, you know, just for one period, you know, uh, every Tuesday and Wednesday we'd have team run, you know, against the offense. You know, it's one on – or ones versus ones. And, you know, just having those maulers come at you every single day in practice, you know, gets you ready for Saturdays for sure. But, you know, really the people that – the person you got really got to credit that to is Coach Slarman, man. Oh, Coach Slarman is – that's the anchor of, of that offensive line room. And, man, what a guy. What a – I can't I, – I obviously can't think of the words right now to describe what Coach Slarman, you know, is as a person and what he means to me and so many other people. Uh, you know, just battling what he's been battling through, coming each and every day to practice and giving everything that he has to those guys, and they feed off of it. You know, I, I talked to Drake. I talked to Landon, you know. And, you know, they say, hey, man, you know, this guy can come. He can go take chemotherapy, you know, once a week and, and come back. And show up with energy. And show up with energy and show up like he never like he never missed a beat. You know, we can go out there for two hours every day, you know, and give, give everything we got. So and, impressive, man. You know, Schlarman was uh, – he was my starting right guard when I played here. Really? Yeah, Schlarman and I were teammates. Okay. Yep. So, uh, yeah, he, he was uh, – for two years, I think he was – I think he was with me my freshman and sophomore year. Yeah. Okay. I knew he was a little bit older than you. I didn't know he got to play with you. That's pretty damn yeah. cool. Yeah. I remember. So uh, it was. Coach Slarm was actually one of the first people that saw me um, to get on, I guess, their recruiting uh, page or whatnot. Uh, I remember it was. It was like seven seven o'clock in the morning, and uh, we were down in the weight room. And Coach Kenner, my offensive coordinator, had told me. Uh, the day before, you know, the storm was coming in, and so all night sitting there, I'm thinking, you know, okay, what am I gonna do? Uh, am I gonna bench press? Am I gonna power clean? You know, what, what about let's think of what something that I can do just to catch his eye. Yeah. And so the day comes, we're sitting there, and uh, we're, we're working out. He walks in, you know, big UK mm-hmm. overall uh, pullover sitting there, and I'm like, okay, this is legit. This is this is big time ball right here. Yeah. And um, you know, there's class going on upstairs. And it's pouring the rain outside. And by the double doors at the end of our weight room there that we had at the school, you would open up these double doors that led out to like a – it was like a pit almost. A, and that this little incline hill that would lead right up to our parking lot. And that's where we'd park. We'd walk down and go right into the weight room. We had the, an old tractor tire out there that had no rim on it. And we would go out there and usually hit it with sledgehammers. Mm-hmm. And just for shits and giggles one day, we were out there. It was before this. And I picked it up and flipped it. I was like, you know, it was pretty heavy, but, you know, we flipped tires before, but, uh, you know, never really up that incline. And it was pouring the rain. And I've already bench pressed. I've already power cleaned. I've squatted. I've done everything. And for some reason, I just felt like, you know, that wasn't good enough, that that wasn't – that didn't catch his eye. So, I don't know what hit me. Is this automatic. It was like a light bulb just hit me. Boom. So, go out there and flip that tire up that hill and see what happens. <laughs> and so, I get out there and, and uh, I just – I don't say anything. I just I just leave my rack. I walk out. And Kenner and Schlarman followed behind me, and I just start flipping that tire up and down that hill. And it was like, uh, I think it was about 25, 30 feet going up and coming back down. And uh, I this is every time I see him, or not every time I see him, just when we get to talking, you know, that story always comes up. So, oh, that's great. It's man. great what, you know, what football, you know, can do, you know, for a lot of guys, you oh, know, yeah. not just, um, you know, it can, it, it can change your life, man. I, I was sitting there and I was telling my friends that. If I didn't get a scholarship out of high school, I was going straight to the military. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I put literally all my eggs in one basket 
saying that, you know, I was going to get a college scholarship to play football or bust. I got a 19 on the ACT. I took it twice. I got an 18 the first time. Took a not, I got a 19. So that, that's exactly it. what I got, too. That's it. Yeah. I'm done. I don't have, I'm not trying to get a, you know, a 25, you know, or things like that. If it don't yeah. work out, it don't work out. And, uh, you know, the people that I've gotten to meet, you know, obviously if I don't, if I don't play UK, I don't get to meet guys like you. I don't get to experience things like, um, you know, meeting Coach Stoops and being a really tight friends, you know, with Josh Allen and, you know, mm-hmm. Benny Snell, you know, and things like that. Yep. And football for me has taught me more about life almost than anything. You're going to get knocked down. You're going to get spit on. Mm-hmm. You're going to get you're going to get your ass ripped. Yeah. You no, know, no matter if you're working, you know, in the NFL or you know you're working, you know, at Home Depot. You know, your right. boss or somebody that's ahead of you, and you're going to get your ass ripped one day. And it's all about, you know, how you how you handle it and move forward. Um, what was the biggest? Some of the biggest things you took away from football that you still apply to life today? Yeah, a lot of the same things, man. Um, certainly, it it changed my life. It changed my family's life. It changed everything. If I if I didn't accomplish what I did in football, I don't know what I'd be doing right now. You know, I was kind of like you. I put everything into. I had no backup plan. You know, yeah. I, I, I I don't know what I would have done. I guess I'd have probably been a, you know, maybe a teacher and a coach or, or something like that. But, um, you know, I I, I was going to make it in football, and I was the most determined human being. That failure was not an option. I was going to die before I failed. And that's why I woke up every day. I'm like, that's that's the way I train. Like I I would I was going to work. I was going to outwork everybody. Obviously, I had a lot of talent, but I I took pride in being the hardest worker because in my mindset, if I'm the most talented and the hardest worker, there's no way I can fail. Nobody can stop you. Nobody can stop me. And that's my that was my mindset every single day. Like if I'm outworking every quarterback, not only on my team but on every other team, and I'm you know, 6'5", 230 pounds, and have the arm strength that I have, if I'm out working them also mentally, you know, in the film room and working, you know, physically, if I'm out working them, then I'm going to I'm gonna have more success than those guys. Like, yeah. it's just, that's just the way I saw it. And that's the way that I, I approached the game. And that's the way I, you know, approached, you know, life still. And, um, you know, I think I think you have to have that motivation that it's just, it, you know, it's all about a mindset, you know, the way you, you, way you attack everything, the way you attack everything. And I think you said it perfectly. It's the way you react to things too. Yeah. You know, cause bad things are going to happen. You know, it's not always going to be success and, you know, you're going to get knocked down. You, you know, the fans are going to cheer sometimes when you get hurt or yeah, when you get whatever. Knocked it out cold. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, somebody's going to, coach is going to yell at you, you know, boss is going to yell at you. It's, it's how you react to it. Right. Uh, you know, that really determines, you know, what's going to happen next for you. And, you know, you, know, you can either, tuck your tail and feel sorry for yourself and go, you know, and, and just go downhill. Or you can say, you know what, let me look at it a different way. He may be right. Let me adjust this or adjust that and, you know, attack it a different way. And then you start figuring out ways to be successful. Right. You know? So I, th- I think that's the main thing football taught me is probably how to be, you know, resilient, how to be disciplined, how to be, uh, you know, time management, yeah. you know, time, it, time, time, especially manage- in college. For, man. Oh, for sure. Time management is a huge thing. Um, yeah, just, just, you know, things like that, you know, and obviously toughness and, you know, uh, th- those kind of things. I think, you know, football is a great game for that. It teaches you so many life lessons, whether you just, you know, whether you play just in high school or whether you make it to college and NFL, you, you know, if you've played some form of football, I think you've learned some life lessons, you know. For sure, so, for sure. I think it's a great game. One big thing that I, that I took away from it was really how to be a teammate yep. and how to be and how I can take being a great teammate to being a great friend to you know, being a great husband one day, to being a great father one day, because they're a part of my team, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the way 
you know, I kind of look at life now as like my friends are my teammates. Yeah. My family is my teammates. And um, that was always one thing that I really prided myself on was being the best teammate that I could possibly be to those guys. Mm. Um, because I was always a guy that I want, I want, I want to be a leader on my team, no matter if it was high school, no matter if it was Pop Warner college. I was always want to be that guy that guys can look to and say, okay, this guy's going to go to war for us. We're behind him. And I think that the only way I got any of that respect was how I worked and how I attacked each and every day like it was my last because I know that they're out there recruiting the next kid to come in and take my spot. I know that there's guys, you know, ahead of me, you know, that if I don't work my ass off, if I don't stay extra in the weight room with Coach Ed, if I don't get extra film study, because I wasn't, I mean, I was, people know, I wasn't that, I wasn't that really an athletic of a guy. You know, I was probably the least athletic dude in that linebacker room. But the one thing that I was was the hardest worker in that linebacker room, whether it be film, whether it be the weight room, whether it be my diet, whether it be, you know, anything and everything, just to give myself a chance to get out there on that field. And so taking all those things that you have to do just to be able to give yourself a chance, you can take that to anything you do in life. You know, you're trying to get a job. You have a job. Now you're trying to keep your job, you know, and things like that. Or you're trying to support your family. You're trying to be a great – you know, like I said before, you're trying to be a great dad, great husband, and all that good stuff. But, uh, okay, got that, got that. All right. All right, I just got a couple more, and we'll be done here. Sure. All right, <clears throat> all right so let's let's get back into working out because I know that almost everything, every, every time that I've posted something with you, everybody's always talking about, you know, how you're jacked and your guns are looking good and things like that. But first off, take me through a what's a what's a Tim Couch workout playlist consist of? Workout playlist? Yeah. What uh, are you listening to? You know, uh, there's some uh, there's there's some Drake, there's some Lil Wayne, there's some uh, uh, there's some country in there. Um, you know, just stuff like that. You know, if I'm in the car, it's all country. Okay. All country. Yeah. But you know, in the weight room. You kind of need a little bit more of a, you know, a little something to. You ever thrown on Metallica or anybody like that? A little bit. I've never been into that kind of never stuff. Never been a rocker. Uh uh-uh. uh. It's always been country for me. Um, it's, that's what I listen. That's to. That's that hiding in you, man. Uh, it is, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it definitely is. Um, but yeah, that's, that's about it. But uh, so when I like, I'm weird when it comes to music. So music has been a really big part of my life, you know, with how, I, you know, with workouts, before games, you know, and things like that. And one thing that I always just related with was, uh, you know, this heavy metal, you know, rock and roll, get after it type music. That's especially a line, That's a linebacker mentality. Yeah, I know, especially, especially, especially right before a game. And I know yeah. they say, you know, it's – yeah. It's a linebacker thing, but it, it's a, it's. I think it's just a defensive thing, man. I mean, I think Probably we're just, so. I yeah. think we're just wired different. You know, yeah. we're out there, and our and our objective, you know, is to is to kill basically. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and, and mine is my mindset is like don't, I got to call. I got to stay calm and think. You know, mm-hmm. like I can't just go out there and want to go 100 miles an hour. I got to be like, okay, if they do this, I got to do that and that. And that. I got a million things to think about. You're so like a just, deer. You guys are out there like deer out yeah. there wandering in your field or whatnot. You got to be worrying about the bow hunters. Yeah, absolutely. We're yeah. the guys up in the trees with bows and arrows and whatnot. <laughs> That's right. and asses. Yeah. Uh, man, would you – so going back, you know, with our, with where we grew up in eastern Kentucky, um, I know me and you have talked about, uh, you know, with the guys at App Harvest and, uh-huh. and what they have planned going on. Um, you know, there's a, been growing up in eastern Kentucky and knowing that – if you worked hard and if you had this dream that you can do anything 
and you went to UK, you played, you lived that dream, and you went to all this other stuff. You're number one draft pick, yada, yada. Did having that Eastern Kentucky grit, you think, was one of your things that got you to where you are, you think? I think it was probably my best asset that I had. That was, was uh, just, you know, there's there's different types of toughness. You know, right. I think, I mean, you, you, were a t- you were a tough guy mentally and you're a tough guy physically. Like, for a quarterback, it's, you're really not going to be, like, you know, tough as far as going out there and knocking guys out. Like, toughness for, for me was somebody knocking the shit out of me and me getting back up and going in the huddle and calling the next play like it never happened. Right. And, and doing it over and over and over. Um, you know, so I, I think that all originated from growing up in East Kentucky, man. I, I laid on – I'll never forget when I was uh, – I don't know how old I was, man. I was probably sixth, seventh grade, and a kid hit me in the stomach. Um, right, was, right as I was going to throw, my arm was up here, and he hit me right here in the stomach. Just like, you know, helmet, spear, right in the stomach. Yeah. And I laid on the field like I was fucking dead, you know. Mm-hmm. And my dad got so mad at me. He came down the field, and he said, let me tell you something. He said – don't ever lay on that damn field ever again. He said, <laughs> he said, if you can't walk, you crawl. And if you can't crawl, I'll, I'll come, come and get, get you. you. And I said, I said, and I, from then on, when I hit the ground, I bounced up. Right back up. Every single time. And, uh, and that's a mindset that I played with the whole career. Man, I th- just think that if, if you don't have that mindset, you're not going to survive in this game. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's kill or be killed. And if you don't have that get after it, get up mindset, you know, then you're not going to succeed. No, that's I totally thing. agree. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing I've always tried to tell people that, that don't truly, that have never, you know, experienced, um, you know, an SEC caliber game or, in your case, you know, NFL game, uh, the mental preparation that has to go into that yeah. and the mindset that you have to have just to even give yourself a chance. It's mind-boggling of where our minds can take us and take us into those different places to where, um, you know, like when I step out on the field – I'm not the same dude that you're talking to right now. Mm-hmm. Like that wasn't me. Nope. And um, you know, is this? It was weird how you could go out there and just flip that switch, and it seemed like everything else in your life gone. It's crazy in the back burner, and yeah. the only thing you're focused on is the job you got to do. What you're for me, it was uh, what your key is. You know, what formations you're studying. Yep. You know, things like that. Just little ticks and knacks. And you know, with playing guys like. You know, Ben Cleveland from Georgia, uh, you know, the Maulers that they have there. With all the guys, you know, that you play in the SEC, they're, everybody out there has a, has, has a potential, you know, to be an NFL player because it goes – in my mind, it goes the NFL, the SEC, just right there. Oh, I think you're right about that for sure. And just going out and having to play those guys day in and day out on every Saturday basis – you're going to get your ass whipped, and you're going to get oh, and, you're, no and you're going to get knocked down, and it's, it's oh, not yeah. going to feel good. So you either have to you, – you make a choice – of whether you sit there and you say, okay, do I tap out and do I want this? Or you say, it's time to get back up and try to hit that dude right back in the mouth. That's all you can do. And so, man, I've tried to take that life, that, that aspect, you know, from football to apply it to life, you know, because, you know, I mean, you know, times are tough right now with COVID and everything going on. You know, a lot of people are out of jobs. A lot of people are struggling to, you know, put food on the table for their family. Um, you know, and for me right now, you know, I'm just f- figuring out life as it goes on next. You know, recording with you, hopefully – uh, close out, you know, with UK Sports Network mm-hmm. um, coming up, and so for me, um, not going, I'm going undrafted, you know, with this COVID stuff, thinking that, you know, that I had a free agent deal at least, you know, working up, and now sitting here, not uh, not in a training camp for the first time uh, in eight years. Yeah, you know, if it, it feels really weird, but having football teach me 
you know, how to be, like you said, resilient and how to be, you know, strong-minded and not, you know, not give up, you know, when things are hard, you know, that's the things that I'm applying right now, you know, because if I didn't have football and those things that, that football taught me, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know where I'd be mentally right now and I don't know where I'd be really in my life right now. Yeah. But, but, man, I appreciate you coming on, brother. This has been fun. Uh, we've I talked about it, a man. lot of things. And, uh, you know, we've got our episode uh, hopefully uh, coming out soon on YouTube, uh, the off-season the episode. This is the off-season podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Tim, man, thank you good. And, uh, you know, we'll talk again. Sounds good, man. I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on.